I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Taizai Fu. Five game losing streak. Five big L's in a row for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and of course, the big news of the week was firing Claude Julien. I think my is my mic kind of up high? I could turn it down a little bit, but in a minute. Because first, I'll, I'll, let me talk about, let's get into this right away. The coaching change. Okay. Claude Julien was fired. Uh, I think I found out it was Wednesday morning after the second of two straight losses to the Senators. Kind of a nice time to, you know, make a change when you lose two games in a row to the Ottawa Senators. And I was very surprised. The last time, the last coaching change that Mark Bergevin made uh, when obviously on Valentine's Day 2017, hiring Claude Julien, firing Michel Therrien in one press release. We kind of, we saw that coming for a while. No one really liked Michel Therrien, at least amongst the fans, and it had been getting worse and worse. They were on a slump. It seemed like uh, the players just totally lost faith in him. Uh, it seemed like Carey Price was giving up goals on purpose at that point, and it was past time to get rid of him and make the change. This time, it felt like he was really trying to get out ahead of the problem before it got any worse. And I kind of applauded him for that on the day of. I was like, well, you know, at least he's being proactive, which is, you know, a lot of GMs would wait until it's beyond repair before making a change. At least he was proactive. Uh, now, with, with two games of hindsight, no two games isn't that much hindsight, but I think maybe he jumped the gun a little bit because Claude Julien, uh, is, is, his hallmark really is being a great five-on-five coach. And Montreal was one of the best five-on-five teams throughout almost his entire tenure here, except that one awful season. And that hadn't really changed here. What had changed in the slump was the special teams getting even worse and Carey Price getting even worse. And to get rid of Claude Julien, who might be one of the best coaches in the NHL, because of that, because of special teams and goaltending, maybe was a mistake. And I, I know Dominic Ducharme you know, doesn't have any experience, uh, and it's only been two games, but these two games have not been very impressive. No, I, I like, I, I, I really like. Even before these two games, I felt like it was kind of early to fire the guy. You know, like there's one thing to be proactive, but I feel like this might have been too proactive, just because you know Claude Julien, a very good coach, and I would argue that the problem here is not was not the coaching, although you know, uh, inevitably in the NHL, that's the first thing to go right when your team kind of sucks, you fire the coach. Um, but I don't think that was a problem. You know, in fact, I think Claude Julien, yeah, you mentioned it, he's a great coach at 5-on-5. Five five. I think he might have had the Habs playing, you know, like a game that was better than the sum of their parts. You know, because, yeah, as you said, throughout his tenure, just completely dominant at 5-on-5, five five, one of the best teams there were. The problem was there was no finishing talent. You know, they really couldn't put this puck on that for all the freaking XG you could have on the team. Um, they couldn't actually turn them into freaking Gs. Um, and, you know, who do you blame for that? Oh, I, I play freaking Bergevay, right? Um, he couldn't get... Like, there's a problem with this freaking roster. And I talked about it last week before the fire, and it's kind of even more evident now. Like, the way this roster is constructed, right? Lots of depth. Um, but I, I said it last week. The problem is the depth isn't really dominating enough for it to be, like, a worthwhile way to construct your team. And instead, now what you have is, you know, an okay... Like, the depth is fine. It's not completely caving in. But it should... Like, you're, you're, you don't have any top-end talent to kind of bring the team up. And I think what was bringing the team up was Claude Julien. I think his coaching was fantastic. Now, uh, yeah, and, and you said it. Like, the goaltending, if you look at the charts, um, the numbers, the analytics, uh, you see that the go- like the save percentage, uh, and the, the save percentage has taken a nosedive for Montreal. And can you blame Claude Julien for that? Not really. Uh, you can blame Carey Price for that. Um, but, you know, I think firing the coach, it was pretty much I think Claude Julien is a really, really good coach. Um, and firing an unpro- hiring an unproven guy. And it sounds like uh, Ducharme is the guy, at least for the next little while, 
you know, if he keeps playing, if the Habs keep playing like they did the last, the last couple games, <laughs> it won't be a long while. But, uh, you know, it, it seems like Bergevin, ha- he has uh, Bergevin's trust. And, man, like, like the discussion has really turned, hasn't it? Like, like Bergevin, I feel like before this firing, he it felt kind of secure. His job kind of felt secure. I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, the Habs had a very good start. And nobody was really talking about how this guy was on the hot seat because maybe in the offseason they were talking about it. But, you know, his acquisitions were doing great. You know, Toffoli, Allen, uh, you know, maybe not so much Edmonton, but Anderson, Anderson. for sure, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but now it sounds like, uh, well, you fired the coach. Now you're on the clock, right, Bergevin? And, uh, you know, if that's really the truth, and I know Molson really likes Bergevin, so I don't know how much faith to put into this kind of logic. But, uh, man, putting all your eggs into the Dominique Ducharme basket doesn't seem like the wisest of choices, I got to think. Yeah. All right. So so let's talk about Bergevin. Let's look at the Bergevin angle here. Because it's been the the mindset, or I guess the rationale in the NHL for a long time, is that like a GM uh, gets one coaching change in his tenure. And once you use that up, then you're the next one to go. And this is Mark Bergevin's second coaching change. But I don't think, first of all, that logic is kind of like that. We don't have to apply that because that's just kind of a, you know, not really old boys club, but it's kind of just like, oh, optics mentality where it's like, oh, if it wasn't the coach's fault, if you picked your coach and it still doesn't work, then it must be you, which isn't necessarily true. However, now that Mark Bergman has done this second coaching change, the attention shifts to him naturally. And I have, okay, so a lot of, a lot of people are, are looking at like, you know, Mark Bergman's track record at the deals he's made, the trades, uh, draft, free agency, and all the stuff GM's in charge of. And it doesn't look like he's done such a bad job when you look at it isolated and like move by move. But I mean, the on-ice success for the past, since like 2015, hasn't really been there. They haven't won a playoff round since 2015, which is just too long. And I don't think a GM that hasn't won a playoff round in six years should still be so secure you know with his job i don't think he's gonna get fired i think jeff molson is in love with him for whatever reason but when i i had i had a thought there i had a thought there and it's gonna come back it's gonna come back here's what i thought all right it's back now everything that happens on the ice comes back to mark bergevin and he can be blamed for it because especially since he's been on the job for so long almost 10 years almost nine years he's been on this job for almost nine years now this team is 100 percent built in his image not enough finishing talent that's his fault bad goaltending bad special teams that's his fault you could have brought in different players you could have brought in different coaches everything mark bergman can definitely be blamed for it because you're the one who brought it in so i wouldn't be distraught if, if, if the Canadians continue their downward fall and miss the playoffs and your 100% claim from earlier this season turns out to be false, Taisei, then I wouldn't <laughs> be so disappointed if, if, it's, if it's Mark Bergerman's last, last run with this team because, I mean, you fired the coach twice, you brought in so many different additions, and it still hasn't worked. So, I mean, whose fault is it really? Yeah, it's, it's not even the new edition, right? You're playing against the dog shit division. It's worse than you're ever going to freaking see it, right? No Boston, no Tampa, and you're still like, if you fall out, if you're the fifth best Canadian team this season, that is the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my life, all right? There's just nothing more embarrassing than that. Um, and yeah, fucking terminate everybody. 
Um, it's just this team doesn't fucking know how to win. All right. It's as simple as that. It's because he hasn't built a very good team. Well, he hasn't built a team that's, you know, designed to win. All right. You could talk about all the freaking trades he's made, right? Oh, okay. You know, yeah, sure. Shea Weber turned out better than PK Subban or whatever the hell you want, you want to say. But um, the fact is, you know, Shea Weber still has, like, how many playoffs to see, see, series does he won as a half? Like, is it still zero? It might be. Yeah. Okay. It's zero. Zero. So, um, you know, trade be damned. Like, your, your team doesn't win. I don't really give a crap of all kind of acquisitions you make, um, especially when you're like nine years into the thing. Um, like, I think we said it in the offseason, you know, like this guy's time is like, it, it's got to be coming to an end eventually, right? Like nine years on the job. That is so freaking long for a GM. Um, and yeah, Molson's got a thing for Bergevin. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, man, it's just, uh, it's the big I, muscles. It's got to be the muscles. It's got to be the, it's got to be the gun show. Um, but like, you got to think the time his time is expiring. And if, honestly, if I'm Bergevin, like, do I fire Julien if I'm thinking about my job security? I don't think so. Like, yeah, that's I, another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I wanted to touch on is uh, one thing I can praise Mark Bergevin for is I, I think he actually said in a quote a couple of years ago, I think it was after the really bad uh, season where they ended up drafting Kanyemi at the end. He says he wants to do whatever's best for the future of the Canadians, whether he's there or not which is very refreshing to hear because a lot of times fans will complain about GMs obviously prioritizing their job security over the well-being of the team. And Mark Bergevin doesn't appear to ever do that. Uh, And we see that with, you know, firing Claude Julien. A lot of times, you know, if a GM is worried about their job security, then they'll they'll be like, I don't want to fire the coach again because then the attention will get shifted to me and my seat will get a little bit hotter. And Mark Bergevin isn't doing that either because he's authentically really trying to do what's best uh, or it's because he just have the, has the full vote of confidence, confidence from Jeff Molson, which is interesting on Molson's part because it's like if I'm telling my GM I'm not firing you, um, then that kind of frees the GM up when you're not worried about your job security anymore to make the moves you actually think are best without worrying about your own job security. Uh, but the downside is everything we've talked about, uh, which is if you tell your GM that you're never going to fire them, then they might do a bad job and then and, and you'll have to fire them. Yeah, right. You might have to go back on your word. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's fuck, man. I just like if they miss the playoffs this year, I think it's over. I think it's over for Bergevin. Like, like if you were to play in the Atlantic this season with this team, the way they're playing, you'd get completely smoked, right? There's like no chance. You'd be battling with like, uh, I don't know, Buffalo or something, um, for like sixth place. Uh, so, you know, I just, yeah, look, I, I still. Like, you look at the, the Habs in the playoffs right now, they're not in a terrible spot, despite the five-game losing streak, right? Where are they? They're still fourth place. They've got a couple games in hand on fifth place where the Flames, who they themselves, you know, embarrassing loss to the Senators. Um, so that's like, you know, it's, it, 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 it could be worse, but it's certainly not encouraging. You know, would I make a 100% guarantee right now? Absolutely not. Uh, you know what? I'm even convinced that I may have jinxed the Habs when I made that prediction a couple weeks ago. Um, that's uh, I, I like. You just you just have to. See oh, you turned it down too much. <laughs> I turned it down. Too I used much. the chat okay. feature. I used the new chat okay. feature here on Zencast to ask Tyson to turn his game down, and then he turned his volume down like eighty percent. I can barely <laughs> hear him anymore. Okay. All right. Let me adjust that. Anyways. Um, so yeah, you know, like Julian has been fired before, right? You look at the the president for this. It was Boston. Um, that like that's what people have been talking about. Like, oh, the Bruins fired Claude Julien, and then it seems like you know they 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 got even better by hiring Bruce Cassidy, 
right? But uh, I don't think the roster is built the same. You know, it's just the roster is not the same. Boston had a very good first line. They had the finishing talent. Um, I don't think you can make that comparison because, uh, frankly, like I think maybe Boston was underachieving with Julier. They might have been overachieving with Julian within the Habs. So uh, I, th- I still think the time is kind of funny. That's what I think. And there's also the fact that Bruce Cassidy is just a really great coach. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know if Dominic Ducharme is or isn't yet. It's kind of another big aspect of that. Um, yeah, but you didn't know about I, Cassidy I beforehand, about this... though, right? Like, that was the thing. Cassidy was also yeah. relatively unknown, right? But um, mm-hmm. I still think it's a different scenario. But that's because, still uh, like something you take into account. It's like, oh, look, firing Julian worked last time. So, yeah. But it's like, well, you know, the guy who comes in to replace him mm-hmm. is also, you Absolutely. know, a key part of whether it works or not. So I, I want to talk about this from the Ducharme point of view also, because I, I kind of, you know, had a soft spot for him already. He coached Team Canada for the gold medal in 2018 at the World Juniors. That Tyler Steenberg in year, that was him behind the bench. Uh, and also, I think, for the silver medal the year before. Uh, so I was pretty pumped up. I think he was brought into the organization as the Laval Rocket coach at first. He didn't stay there long before he was kind of promoted up to assistant coach with the Canadians. I think this was his third season there, uh, or the middle of his third season there. And now he's got his first head coaching job in the NHL. Um, I have had always kind of thought that he was going to get a head coaching job eventually somewhere around the NHL. So a lot of people kind of thought Kirk Muller was like the next in line or like the one that was ready to replace Claude Julien. He's out the door too, we haven't mentioned, which uh, I'm not that upset about considering that both special teams have been absolutely terrible, worse than in a normal year, which is saying something. Uh, and here's what I what I noticed about Ducharme before his first game, uh, which was against the Jets on Thursday. They, I don't think it was a live interview, but they put up a little clip from like an interview they did that morning, um, on like TSN, I think. And they asked him some basic questions like, "Oh, how does a how does a Ducharme team play?" And he would just kind of like stuttered. And like looked kind of like super nervous, uh, which, you know, makes sense, I guess, to be nervous if you're not used to, you know, doing interviews as an assistant coach. And also, you know, Montreal Canadiens don't want to say the wrong thing and be scrutinized. He was super nervous, but also looked like he was disguising his nerves by being like by acting like he really didn't want to be there at all. And, you know, kind of like uh, a, a very, very low level of Tortorella's. I'd much rather not be talking to you that he that Tortorella does all the time he was like oh you know and he just kind of like said some buzzwords uh, like you know fast and in your face and stuff and then just kind of went off so I was like one big difference already between Julian and Ducharme is that uh Ducharme won't pretend he wants to be talking to you media yeah um but yeah so I want to like what what does he have to improve on this team at this point he has to maintain the 505 and he has to fix the the what the special teams and find a way you know what Maybe he has to play Jake Allen more. Do we have to talk about that? Um, because Carey Price this season, like especially recently, has been bad to say the least. Um, you know, very bad. Not a good look for the years down the road. But like even right now, Jake Allen looking better uh, than Carey uh, Price. I mean, Jake Allen's been fantastic. Uh, so you know, may- maybe that's one of the coach strategy things you do. You know, like you ride the hot hand. Uh, and you take more of a tandem approach than your standard, uh, you know, starter backup that we've seen in Montreal for the last, like, God knows how many years. Um, so I think that's an interesting question. You know, like, I, I, I know, like, people have said that, like, Price, or I think Price himself has said, you know, like, uh, like he likes getting a lot of starts uh, and it gets him focused and, like, you know, more starts, more action. He's not as rusty or whatnot. 
Uh, I don't know how much how much faith to put into that kind of those kind of words when you know he obviously wants to play as much as he can. Um, but uh, yeah, the whole goaltending situation is interesting, especially since you know you've seen a complete nosedive, um, and Allen's just a better goaltender at this point. Yeah, we kind of I the, okay. So the Carey Price Albatross contract, which actually started out year one the same time our podcast started, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, oh no, never mind, never mind. It was already we were heading into the second year of it, and now we are in the third year of it. Third year of eight, four, five, six, seven, eight, and it's kind of in the elephant in the room this whole time. This albatross deal, it sucks. It's awful. It runs till he's thirty-eight years old. And goaltending already is hot and cold. And it doesn't matter, you know, even Andre Vasilevsky, you know, will go on slumps. And he's the best goalie in the NHL, in my opinion. And so, basically, what that means, or what that implies, is that signing any goalie to this type of deal is probably a bad idea. Um, especially Sergei Bobrovsky, all right? And now, so here, here's where we... This is kind of the problem with terrible contracts like Carey Price's is there's really no good solution. Uh, what's probably going to happen is they're just going to have to hold on to him and keep on playing him until the contract is over, or at least almost over. And then there are these people, not saying I'm one of these people, these people suggesting that you try to convince Carey Price to waive his no move for the Seattle Kraken and maybe try and ask the Seattle Kraken they want Carey Price for five years at ten and a half million dollars a year, and then you kind of reset with like Jake Allen and Caden Primo or something. What do you think about that? You know, I, it's extreme. You'd be losing Carey Price for nothing at that point, right? Or maybe you even have to add a sweetener. But you know, I'm not completely against the idea. I think what we've seen across the league is, you know, like you ha- you need a good goal. T- you definitely need good goaltending. But like, you know, I wasn't. You know, people said that price contract was awful, and I knew it, but I didn't want to really believe it. Um, like, you yeah. know, because uh, uh, it's Carey Price, you know, Mr. Uh, won the heart and Vezina at the same time. Uh, but, you know, you know, it, the, the reality has kind of set in, hasn't it? Uh, three years into the contract or whatever, or two years into the contract now. Uh, it's a fucking terrible contract. Like, they should have never signed this thing. They should have shipped them away, traded them for parts. Because uh, that's not how you win in the NHL. I'm sorry. Or negotiated more. Or negotiated more. Hell yeah. What the hell? You know, like, it's just, uh, it's just not how you win in the NHL. I'm sorry. It's a fucking terrible contract. It's never worked out for really anybody to sign a guy this long uh, at that age. You know, like, a guy younger, maybe like Vasilevsky, it works out. But Carey Price, this was not going to work out as much as I hate to say it, as much as, you know, my, like, me three years ago or two years ago didn't want to believe it at all. Um, it just, it's a completely failed experiment signing this guy to a eight year contract. All right, because goaltending is voodoo, right? And you could absolutely go on a great heater with a young goaltender, or you know, a great tandem. Like, uh, and if your team is good enough, you'll be perfectly fine. Like, look at freaking Minnesota right now. They're doing perfect. Their goaltender is what? Cam Talbot. All right, and Cam Talbot. I don't even know how much he's paid. He's probably paid. He's paid like less than half of Carey Price. I'd be better off right now with Cam Talbot than Carey Price right now. Let me tell you that. Even you know, like, it's just uh, it just doesn't work. All right, this whole Carey Price thing. I, I've, I've done a complete one. I'm completely in the camp of should have never signed it. I'm finally in that camp. It took long enough. Uh, and what do we do with this contract? You're right. There's really no winning. Um, would I would I give him away to Seattle at this point and expose him? Yes, I would. 
I would do it. Why the hell not? You know, if you have Allen for a few years, I'll protect Allen. Is that the best solution long term? Absolutely not. But you've got Primo on the pipeline. They say they have confidence in him. He looks look great. Uh, well, you know, in the AHL and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, if Seattle wants him, I say take him. Mm-hmm. Well, you do, Price would have to agree to be exposed oh, also because of his oh, former crap. move clause. Of course. That's another fun little twist on things. Uh, but here's the fun thing twist. with Price is, yeah, he's sucking right now. Well, it's probably, he's not going to suck forever. Probably, if Montreal does manage to make the playoffs, he's probably going to play great there again because he always plays great in the playoffs. And then we're going to forget about it and say, oh, yeah, Price, yeah, he's fine. He was great. Uh, and then next year at some point, he's going to have another, you know, couple week stretch where he's sub 900 once again. And we're going to have the conversation all over again is the most likely way this ends up going is that till the end of the contract each year is longer and longer of the sub 900 stretch and less and less of the superstar price stretch, uh, which is of course a very troubling trend, but you know, you know what? That might be a good fit. Uh, Carey price. If he goes back to his hometown team, who happens to be run by somebody who loves Albatross contracts and who doesn't really have a solid goaltending situation. I know Thatcher Demko has been doing pretty well, but is he really fully established? Not quite sure. Maybe Jim Benning would love to give up Brock Besser and some (laughs) other great player for Carey Price. And you know what? If we have to take back Jay Beagle to balance out the deal, even Beagle and Roussel, I don't know. Fine. Sure, they just have a year left each, I think. Yeah, carry Price to Vancouver. There, put that in your headlines. Sure, I'll write the article. But uh, that's a hot take. I don't think it's happening ever. But, uh, you know, it's yeah, a nice fantasy to have, right? Like, uh, oh, we'd be free of the money so fast. And, uh, you know, like, you know, Briegel and Roussel for a year, I'm sure they'd revitalize their careers here in Montreal. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> and all that. But, uh yeah, they really dug themselves into a hole, and you could absolutely blame Bergeron for that, right? He dug himself into this hole. Um, yeah, just this this roster is not very well constructed, to be totally honest, right? Like, you need to, there's no superstars. I was just thinking last night, this last night in the shower, you know, like the Habs have no fucking superstars. They have zero now. Like Price, you can't possibly argue that he's a superstar. You know, Suzuki's a bit too young for that. You know, maybe in a couple years or whatever, depending on how he develops. But right now, who can you say on the Habs is like an elite? Bonafide superstar. Like, Jeff Petrie probably is, like, the closest thing, right? Like, I don't even know what to say. Like, <laughs> Superstar ooh. Petrie. Yeah, superstar, that makes no sense. So, uh, you know, like, this, ha- this, this, you know, we've said it, you know, this team lacks top-end talent. But, like, now the price is kind of dog shit. Like, it completely applies across the roster and is depressing as hell. And it's not really a surprise that, you know, you end up losing twice to the – three times in four games to the freaking Senators. And you're like fourth place in the Canadian division. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what else Bergerman messed up? Is, uh, well, you say the construction of this roster. I mean, what really irks me is the construction of the defense because he just seems to be in love with big, tough meanies. We see that with how much he, you know, just gave Ben Chirot, you know, and how much he gave Joel Edmondson. He, Joel Edmondson, he gave up a, a premium. He traded a draft pick for the signing rights to this player, signed Joel Edmondson. You know, one of these defensemen who last night against the Jets was, was, seemed, appeared to be shocked when he had, like, a scoring chance, had the puck in the slot, and he was like, what? Me? Really? And $3.5 million for the next four years. And Sharon and Edmondson, both in your top four, and Bergevin went out of his way 
to pick those two players specifically to put into his top four. So, yeah, it's kind of a troubling when that's your vision for a good defense because that doesn't work. It's not it's not 1997 anymore. Uh, we don't need to trap our opponents. Um, so, so yeah. So, yeah. That, that, so, right, I feel like the theme of this episode so far. And he drafted Caden Gooley. Yes, and drafted Caden Gooley. Uh, so this episode kind of shifted from like we, we were talking about Claude Julien. We shifted our attention onto Mark Bergevin, and are we both in the camp of this is this should be his last year on the job? And even if they squeak into the playoffs, fourth place, maybe this should be the end of uh, Bergevin's tenure because we've seen this story a couple of times. Uh, we saw this the fifteen sixteen season. They start nine wins in a row. They totally fall off a cliff. Uh, next year they start off nine zero and one. Uh, they go in a big slump. Uh, they still make the playoffs, but they fired their coach halfway through and they lose in the first round. And it seems like something very similar is happening again. They had a hot start. Everyone's calling them a juggernaut. And now, fire the coach. Five losses in a row. It's a it's a total disaster nightmare. It's, it's like I was saying the same thing over and over again. Like, what other team has this kind of nonsense where you start so good, you get a whole fan base rolling, and then you shit the bed for like months at a time. And then, and then you're just, in the end, you're not a very good team. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I think this is the time. This is time's up, you know? Like, you had a nice little hurrah. You're, you're in the easiest division you'll ever see in your entire life, all right? Uh, and you went and all got all these big moves. Um, and, you know, some of them have worked out. But frankly, overall, your team just isn't good enough, even in a dog shit division like the North. I cannot stress how bad this division is. This division sucks. Head to toe, it sucks. Like, we put the Bruins in here, all right? You put the Bruins in this division, they kill everybody. Everybody, every night, they'd finish the season like uh, like 57-0, okay? Like, who, like this, you know, this division sucks so bad, and this team still can't manage to, like, find wins, you know, like they did earlier. Not anymore, though, against the freaking Senators. That is absurd to me, all right? And it's not even, like, bad bounces. Like, they're consistently getting outplayed by these teams. It's completely and utterly unacceptable for a team that's supposed to be, you know, oh, we made these big moves. His roster just isn't good enough. I say fire Bergman. His time is up. He can't find. He can't make a winning roster, man. He's got nine years on the job. I don't feel bad for the guy. You know, you've had your run longer than most. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, time's up on this dude, man. He he can't build a winning team. You're not gonna get anywhere with this freaking team. You really think two years late, two years, two years from now, you think they're gonna win the cup? Three years from now, like what? Joel Edmondson, three years older. Get the hell out of here. Ben Chirot, three <laughs> years older. It's not happening, man. Shea Weber, Carey Price, three years older. It's not happening. Um, it's just that uh, it's completely unrealistic at this point. If you believe that the Habs are going really going anywhere, like I understand they have some very nice pieces, young exciting pieces, but uh, this roster overall is just not built well enough. Uh, and it's it's kind of old. It's fucking getting up there in age. So uh, it's you know it's like uh, nope. I think his time is up. I think Burbs is. I, I think if I'm Molson, I'm firing his ass at the end of the season. Yep. Um, three losses to the Ottawa Senators this year. Fun fact. Um, and you know, here's a question. Here's a question we can kind of close out this segment on who gets fired first, Mark Bergevin or David Poyle? Oof. Oh man. <laughs> Dude, dudes have been on the 2012 or 1997. Um, <laughs> like, 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 okay. Uh, man, I think it's Poyle. I think Poyle's out the door first. I think Molson's got to think for Bergevin. I think it's, uh. And I think I think Poyle's time is up. I think the chatter is louder than ever that David Poyle's time is up. The game has passed him by. Oh my goodness, so many years yeah. ago. Um, I think Poyle's gone. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that the game has passed him by as much as you know just uh, he gave out some bad contract because like because er, like a couple years ago you know he had constructed a fun exciting team that made the Stanley Cup Finals and then just kind of you know all fell apart. Um, and I it, it's ridiculous that he's managed to hold on to this job for 23 years, but I I really think <laughs> yeah it's comedic. The number is I mean, and now that Nashville is authentically bad, I don't know what else Poyle has to do to finally lose this job. Um, but anyway, uh, here's all right. Let's move on to Panarin. Ready? Okay. Sure. Yeah. So here's what happened. So Panarin is now taking a leave of absence from the Rangers because there was a story published about him or an interview published uh, with his, one of his old junior hockey coaches who was kind of known to be a nutcase. Not only is he a Vladimir Putin supporter, he also, I think, like tried to start a physical fight with a fan at one point. So this guy is, is, is strange, this coach. And now he's claiming in this interview that after a game where the, his, when he was coaching Artemi Panarin back in 2011 and they lost, Panarin beat up an 18-year-old girl in a bar after the game. That's the story. Um... A couple people, including Panarin, including the Rangers, including the NHL, jumped right out to defend Panarin, say the allegations are false. Obviously, you know, so, th- so uh, you know, the natural instinct should be to believe victims. The difference here, there are a couple differences, is that this isn't the victim speaking. This is the guy who I don't, I can't even tell by the story if the coach was there or not. Uh, and also, s- several people have pointed out. Um, first of all, this was reportedly happening on a Sunday. And bars typically aren't open in Latvia on Sundays. Fun fact, I didn't know. And also, uh, after this game, they had a week off. And part of the story was they had to leave uh, to fly to the next game the next day. And flying to a city for a game that was six days away is very strange. And so, of course, this appears to be because Artemi Panarin has been vocal, especially recently, or not vocal, maybe as much as like Instagram likes might be the extent of it, actually, as far as I know. Uh, but he is supporting one of Vladimir Putin's opposition parties. And so this allegation appears to be extremely politically motivated. And Artemi Panarin maybe is worried for his safety and his family's safety. So this is a, it's a pretty complicated situation. But among the worst takes I saw on this was, oh, who cares that he beat her up? It was oh, no. 10 years ago, which totally misses on every single front. <laughs> Holy shit. Um okay, that's uh that's one hell of a take. Uh but uh it's uh it's certainly a complicated situation, isn't it? Like it's so we we know so little um and there are so many factors, so many bad people involved. Uh a lot of it is hearsay, but yeah, then again, you don't want to go ahead and discredit something as serious an allegation of, you know, like assault. But then again, you look at the credibility of the people involved. You know, this coach who happens to be a Putin supporter and was had a shady history, to say the least. You know, it's uh, it's hard to evaluate, especially when you know so little, like like I like we do, you know, out on the outside. Um, it is really hard to evaluate. I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, the Rangers immediately came out and uh, supported Panarin and vehemently denied uh, the allegation and the NHL did as well. And I think. I think that's an interesting, I think that's an important point, you know, like uh, often with these kind of things, you'll see like the team, you know, we're conducting an investigation or whatever it is. 
Um, but, uh, you know, they they outright came out immediately and said, uh, no, this didn't happen. Um, and yeah, when you mention those details of the story that don't quite add up, it, uh, it really does look like it might be a political hit piece. And that in itself is a very interesting component of this, right? Like, uh, you know, Panarin uh, being a supporter of Navalny. It's a, it's a very, very messy situation, you know? And if, if you don't know much about it, it's really, it's really hard to give an informed take because there are so many variables that you really just don't know. And as you said, you know, you, you haven't even heard from the freaking victim, right? We don't. I don't even know who she is and hasn't spoken out or anything. It's just I don't think coach. we know her name even. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's just this freaking coach, right? So, um, you know, how much credibility do we put into anybody's words? I think it's it's kind of a reality of our times, isn't it? Like, a lot, you know, like, uh, especially when you mix up this grimy politics, like in Russia and all that, it's just uh, and a misinformation everywhere. It's just, it's, 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 it feels really icky. Yeah, you know what this is kind of reminiscent of to me? Uh, is like conservatives trying to like infiltrate leftist spaces and just like try to use, you know, progressive lingo and just totally butcher it in that it's kind of like, oh, you know what'll get liberal North Americans all upset? Uh, they love uh, finding out that a celebrity did something bad 10 years oh. ago and canceling them. They love cancel culture. Why don't we make our Temi Panarin did something bad 10 years ago? That's going to make everyone hate him. I, I, If this is a fabricated story, which it kind of looks like is the likely thing at this point, that was definitely the thought process of whoever fabricated this piece. Yeah, it's not even... Like, if it is indeed fake, it's a very poorly done fake. You know, like, you can... You know, obviously, you know, it's still up in the air, but, like, there are so many things that don't connect. Um, and, yeah, that's... that's so I think that's a very good take on it, actually. You know, like uh, the Russians are like, hmm, how do we how do we cancel our Temi Panarin? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, oh, I don't know, man. It's, you're right, though. I like the analogy. Uh, it's like they're they're like misusing the terms almost. It's just like uh, it, it feels clumsy, and that's why you know the whole thing kind of feels icky because it does feel kind of clumsy. You know, um, with all this mm-hmm. hearsay and secondhand accounts and whatever the hell. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of gross. Yeah. This is kind of like, I didn't watch Tiger King, but here's another analogy for you. It feels kind of like a, uh, <laughs> like a, a, a really not low stakes is the wrong word, but like less dramatic, at least to this point version of Tiger King, where one of the things people found interesting about Tiger King was that every single character sucked and you couldn't root for mm-hmm. anyone kind of feels like a similar <laughs> thing here. You know, you have obviously the two politicians involved are to root for any politician. Uh, you have this crazy coach. And Artemi Panarin isn't the greatest guy in the world himself. Uh, I don't know if, if you know, but one, one I think um, that comes to mind is he apparently was on record at one point saying uh, he would never have sex with a black girl, which, you know, is, of course, just straight up racist. Oh. Yeesh. Yeah, you know what? It kind of gives me the same feeling. And you're right. It is lesser today because I watched some of Tiger King. Um, I started it. And then I couldn't finish it because it just kind of made me feel gross inside, you know? Like, it was entertaining, yeah. sure. But then you're watching it and you're like, man, this fucking sucks. Um, so, yeah, it is. The, and, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not made for entertainment now. It's just like, you're just kind of like playing with people's reputations and people's lives and livelihoods. And it's just, uh, you know, it is. And as I keep saying it, it's just kind of gross to watch, you know? It's just like, you don't know what to believe. And it's like. There are no good people involved. You, you like to root for yeah. people, but there's nobody to root for. They're all kind of shitty people, you know? Like, 
even Putin's opponent, he's got his freaking problems, you know? Like, so, uh, it's just, uh, it's, yeah. You know, like, you don't, you barely even know what to say other than, like, this whole thing kind of sucks. Yeah. Did we talk about Ty King while it was popular? No, I don't think so. Because... Maybe we did. Oh, yeah, because it was like, because Netflix, it was on Netflix, right? Yeah. Netflix was being like, oh, look how horrible it is that these people are profiting off of the exploitation of tigers. Meanwhile, they're like they're making millions <laughs> off of Tiger King. It's like, oh, yeah. wow, look how bad they are making money. How dare they? <laughs> uh-huh. That's funny. The whole thing, wow. That's the way that, that's the way when you frame it like that. It's really like the characters were the tigers themselves, you know? It's just like. Wow, it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's it's um, super meta. Yeah, yeah, you get super super like meta Teen with Beach that. Like Teen Beach Two. Oh, okay. Are you are you shouting out uh, the Disney universe there? Um. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, anyway. So you have anything else to add on uh, Panarin? No, I think we kind of covered we kind of covered it. And as you as you say, like, there's probably still more information that we don't know. There definitely is more information we don't know. The question is whether we'll ever find out. Uh, I don't know. Panarin, I think, is officially like a two-week leave of absence. So it's been, I think, like about five days at this point. Uh, we'll see if, it's, if it stays at two weeks or if it ends up getting extended uh, eventually. Let's move on to the Buffalo Sabres. All right, why don't we? Everyone's favorite awful team. Okay. Buffalo. Yep. All right, so Buffalo is in a terrible situation. Who could have seen this coming? Uh, who could have seen this coming? You know, <laughs> not you. What are I'll they not? You. What I'm kind of news sure. is that? <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure. What are they not in a terrible? I'm pretty situation? sure. Yeah. Didn't you kind of in our season preview? We're like, oh, Taylor Hall, Eric Stahl, watch out for the Buffalo Sabers. Did you fall for it again? Did I? Because I know I did I, not. No, I didn't. I don't think I you had them in the playoffs. I always I, think. Okay. You know, maybe. Like, okay. The, the thing with the thing I said with these kind of teams, and with these kind of teams, I mean like Arizona and Buffalo. And, you know, you could extend it maybe to Florida. I don't know. Not so much. But uh, it's, I won't buy it until I, you know, until I see it. Um, I refuse mm-hmm. to put them in any sort of playoff spot until they make it two years in a row. All right? You can make the playoffs once. All right? That's cool. But uh, until I see it two years in a row, I'm not putting them in any sort of playoff prediction anywhere uh, in the playoffs, you know? It's just uh, it's completely yeah. messy. Anyways, continue. Yeah, you you didn't have them in the playoffs. That definitely, I don't think anyone did in that division. But I think you at least like thought like hmm, maybe they won't. Maybe they're gonna finally start their ascension out of the basement, which it appears they have not done at <laughs> all. All right. So so when you have a team like Florida, who it's not they were just kind of bad for a long time. Buffalo has been beyond bad for a long time. They have have not just missed the playoffs every year since 2012. They have embarrassed themselves every year since 2012. They sometimes they get out to hot starts and just fall off a cliff. Sometimes they they just tank for Connor McDavid slash Jack Eichel in embarrassing fashion, along with the Coyotes actually. And neither team has been able to recover since. Um, and then we have this this year, which is Taylor Hall's got one goal so far, uh, and he kind of you know we kind of said you know I mean sure if you want to go to Buffalo you want to try to get a bunch of points next to Jack Eichel be my guest, but things don't typically ever work out for the better in Buffalo at all. And uh, yeah, it seems like that decision might be biting him in the ass a bit. And Jeff Skinner signed to one of the worst contracts in the NHL, maybe the worst $9 million a year. When this was signed, he had one 40 goal season and they gave him, they gave him elite forward money, elite. That's like top line two way center money for Jeff Skinner, for a winger who is 
all right defensively and scored 40 goals one time. And he sucked last year. This year, he's sucking again. Uh, although there is an element of uh, being snake bitten to it. But either way, he had one point in 14 games. And Ralph Kruger scratched him three games in a row. So uh, apparently I've heard Skinner's been better this year, you know. But uh, the fact is, you know, $9 million is completely absurd. Think about it. You know, that's only $1 million less than Jack Eichel. That is so crazy to me. Um, that you could pay Jack Eichel $1 million more than Jeff Skinner. Um, you'd think if you said that, that you'd be getting a bargain on Jack Eichel, but for some, for, but somehow it's not. You're just paying Jeff fucking Skinner absurd amount of money. Um, so, uh, yeah, that contract is already a fucking train wreck. Um, how many years left? Like six years after this one? Terrible. Uh, and you're already healthy scratching the guy two years into his contract. That's hilarious. Are you kidding me? Only Buffalo could do that. Uh, we signed a guy to 9 million bucks, eight years, and then you're just year two. Let's go. We're just fucking, we're benching you three games in a row. Now, uh, yeah, as I said, you know, Skinner has been bad, bad this year. He was bad, bad last year. You know, like, sure, maybe he plays a better two-way game or something, you know, and yeah, snake bin, sure. But, um, nonetheless, certainly not worth $9 million. Um, that's a very Sabres thing to do. You got to pay a guy 9 million bucks to stay with you. Uh, and at that point, nobody else is giving him that kind of money. So uh, he's staying there. And uh, now he does this. So, uh, yeah, you know, like I think Eichel was injured for one of them too. One of those games too. And he still couldn't draw into the lineup. Uh, you told me yeah. before the, you told me before the episode started that, yeah, he's, he's back in the lineup now, but uh, you know, not a great look. Uh, not even just a great, like he's just, First of all, I can't believe he got scratched. Like, it's Buffalo. You can't tell me he doesn't fit in their top twelve. I mean, if you get, I guess you can. If you're trying to get him going, you know, like, sure, uh, okay, get that motivation up, you know, get the blood pumping, get him angry. I don't know, but uh, you know, I don't think it. <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're doing in Buffalo anymore. You know, like trying to motivate him, or even trying to win anymore. Like, it's just it's such a bad organization with nowhere to go. Uh, Jack Eichel is going to leave eventually. Uh, and then you'll have Jeff Skinner as your highest paid forward for six years. Um, it's, uh, yeah. Is anybody really surprised? No, not really. Yeah. You know, when I watch the Sabres play, it seems like uh, just a group of Why apathetic individuals <laughs> who expect to lose. All right. I, yesterday, I was, I actually, there were a couple of one o'clock games on. I started off, I watched the, I was watching Ottawa Calgary. Calgary got out to like a three nothing lead, so I switched over to Flyers Sabers, and uh, they had a player in the lineup who I have only heard of. Like I don't think I've ever heard anyone say his name out loud. Jacob Bryson. I was like, oh, who's that? Some defenseman. That's who. Uh, Twenty three years old. Because uh, uh, Jake McCabe uh, is injured, William Borgen is injured, and they just have very little organizational depth. So now Jacob Bryson uh, is listed as playing next to Rasmus Ristolainen on cap friendly. But anyway. Uh, they just look like they expect to lose. And bringing in Taylor Hall, bringing in Eric Stahl, just bringing in more players, just kind of shaking up the deck chairs on the Titanic, as one might say, uh, hasn't really changed anything. Hey, and imagine Jack Eichel. Like, uh, Jack Eichel, you know, comes there, and he's like, all right, I'm, I guess there's a lot of pressure on me to kind of save this franchise. And then, you know, he totally holds up his end of the bargain. Every single year, uh, he's a, an amazing player, a superstar player. Uh, one of which Montreal doesn't have, by the way. We're going to call back to that. Anyway, and just like, you know, he brings in, they bring in like so many coaches. There's been like at least one GM change, maybe two since he's been on the team uh, in 20, 2015. 
And he's like, oh, they're bringing Jeff Skinner to play with me. Oh, wow, now he sucks. Oh, they're healthy scratching him. Oh, might as well. Like, I'm sure he's not surprised by this anymore. And I'm sure he wants out. And, you know, I guess the only real course of action for Buffalo at this point, uh, it's an easy decision. Uh, Nobody, including Jack Eichel, who's on this roster right now, maybe Rasmus Dahlin, maybe just that one because he hasn't been there for that long. Uh, no one, no one can be there by the time this team is good because the culture is just too bro- uh, rotten and broken. Like, do you really want to carry any of that into the future with you? Like, I wouldn't. And so, if you trade Jack Eichel, which apparently he wants out, he's wanted out for a while now. They're like, give us one more chance, please. And he said, okay. And this, this is a one more chance. Is this this <laughs> coach who you? Who, who just like you know just just coming over from soccer really like are we trying to what are we trying to do here? He was coaching soccer. This is an NHL team. Uh, I know that's kind of a joke. Uh, and now he's scratching Jeff Skinner, nine million dollar player. Uh, because you know you know what the problem with this team is is Jeff Skinner needs to learn our systems. That's why uh, the Buffalo Saber systems that are so good and great. Jeff Skinner needs to learn them in order to find success, in order to meet our standards of success that we that we hold everyone to here mm. in Buffalo with the Buffalo Sabres. That's the problem here. Jack Heichel's probably sitting there thinking, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, really? This this guy <laughs> is scratching Jeff Skinner. What are we trying to do here? All right? We got this GM. We got this coach. Uh, we got Tobias Reeder. We got Curtis Lazar at second-line center. We got Colin Miller on the top pairing. And we have... Uh, we have two goalies whose contracts expire at the end of this season. This team is going nowhere. Please trade me literally anywhere else. But that's the thing, right? Like you talk about a teardown, which is the right thing to do. I agree. Like you're not, you're not achieving any degree of success other than like the second overall draft pick with this roster. Um, Like it's just, it's terrible, but like they just did that like six years ago when they tried to get after Eichel, right? Like, um, they completely tore down the team. There was nobody left. Everybody they did sucked. it wrong last time. They did it wrong last time, right? But like, oh my goodness, how many? Like, I you gotta feel for the fan base there too, you know? Like, yeah, that's the thing. The real oh, yeah. sufferers Dwayne. there are the fan base, you know? Like, yeah, like Dwayne, you know, and and uh, it's the same. Like with these kind of organizations, you kind of saw you're stuck just watching your team suck year after year after year, and you know, the only news are the shitty news, and everybody sucks, everybody's mean, <laughs> uh, and like that's what you see in Arizona, you see it in Buffalo. Uh, and you, you do feel for the like the six fans that they've got, um, but uh, you know it's just uh, it's Buffalo. There's no end in sight. There's no end in sight. You trade Eichel, you're not going to be good for five years. What the hell are you going to do, huh? Um, like like hope you get Owen Power. Like I don't know what to tell you, but uh, like it's just man, it's it's not fun to be a Buffalo Sabres fan. Because you'll have to wait. If you're waiting for any sort of modicum of success, which by which I mean maybe not being the worst team in your division uh, outside of Ottawa, uh, you'll have to wait like four years for that. I'm convinced they're not going to go anywhere aside from the end of their division, like last place for the next like three, four years. You know, like there's nobody there. There's nobody there. They suck at drafting too. You know, like, oh God, it's terrible. Like oh, yeah, they have, they have a terrible lead. drafting record. Yeah, he's not Especially even outside of the first round. That's yeah. what sunk them all. Besides, like you know, people rip on them for like just destroying the culture uh, in the McDavid tank, where they ended up with Jack Eichel, uh, which was Tim Murray's fault. Just like, getting rid of everyone and having nothing there to insulate Jack Eichel. Besides, like they traded for Ryan O'Reilly, um, which is pretty nice insulation. But anyway, then they you know traded him for nothing. Uh, anyway, he's gone. You look at their draft record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You look at their their draft record in that time, like 2013, 
to like uh 2016-ish, like which was, you know, kind of their rebuilding years. It sucks. Uh 2013, in the first round, uh they drafted Rasmus Ristolainen and Nikita Zadorov. And then the second round, they drafted, I remember this, JT Comfer, Justin Bailey, and Connor Hurley. Uh, and Ristolainen is still with them, of course. Well, actually, no, he's actually... Uh, oh, wait, no, he's he's actually he's back now um, from that COVID stuff. He's back in the lineup again, according to Cap Friendly, at least. Uh, but anyway, Zadorov, Comfer, they were gone when they acquired O'Reilly. And then, obviously, O'Reilly turned into barely anything. Uh, and the rest is just like, who? 2014? They had Sam Reinhardt second overall, who's good, but like Dry Settle went one pick later. Anyway, and then in the second round, I don't think I'm pretty sure I remember that was the draft where Buffalo had like a million picks, and none of them except Sam Reinhardt ever played an NHL game. Uh, they had like, uh, well, Brendan Lemieux uh, besides him, uh, but he was gone in acquiring like a Vander Kane. They drafted like Eric Cornell and like Vaclav Karabacek or something. Like nothing, no draft success at all for Buffalo outside of the first round, uh, which is that'll sink you if you're trying to rebuild. If you can't draft anyone out of the outside of the first round, except for Victor Olofsson, um, and yeah, that along with the fact that Tim Murray totally, you know, tore down the culture and the spirit of the team uh, in the quest for Jack Eichel, and they're still feeling the effects today. Very, very bleak in Buffalo. Man, like I'm look how many, like you got if you try to do the math since 2013. Like, how many games played do all of these draft picks have combined for the Sabres? You know, like, <laughs> are you looking at like can't be many. I'm looking on Wikipedia right now, and it's just like uh, they have the, the stats for like how many NHL games played, and it's just like zeros across the board. Zeros, zeros. And I understand a lot of these are late round picks, but even for your second rounders, you know, just like uh, Connor Hurley never played a single game in the NHL. Uh, and like uh, Eric Cornell, like the the sec- two second round draft picks never played. Your third round oh, draft Buffalo drafted uh, Calvin Peterson. I didn't know that. L.A. Kings goalie Cal Peterson was a right. Buffalo draft pick. Who's Who finally good now, but just doesn't play for them anymore, right? Like it's yeah. just uh, that's what it seems to be. So uh, yeah, you can't draft for shit. Your team sucks. You can't trade for shit. You can't sign contracts for shit. It's like every single part of this organization. Is bad, all right? Like, the general manager, I guess it was Jason Botterill. I, I don't even think it was there that long, though. This is just, like, stretching general managers back, you know? Like, it's just, they're bad at everything. How do you keep your job like that? Well, I guess the answer is you don't. But they keep hiring people who are bad at everything. I don't understand how they do that. Like, <laughs> you, <laughs> you'd expect them to be somewhat good at something, at least. But they suck at everything. When have, what has Buffalo done anything good? Like, general man, when has their general manager done Anything good in the last eight years besides drafting, like, Eichel, all right? That, that was, like, come on, if you screw that up, what the hell are you doing here? Um, so, it's just, it's remarkable. It's truly remarkable how a team has sustained failure like this. And, like, you know, I don't think the Pagulas are pinching pennies exactly either. So, it's just, like, but even then, even if they were, you'd still really no, have no excuse for this kind of crappy, crappy, crappy uh general managing yeah it blows so my this mind. is the new gm for them on the job kevin adams uh and we looked at his offseason isolated it looked pretty good signing taylor hall that's nice the eric stall trade pretty much a fleecing all right he he just the gm hasn't done anything that bad so far uh which is you know kind of a step up from previous gms uh it's gonna come down to or it looks like jack eichel is gonna be traded sooner or later 
just because, you know, he's miserable there. So it's really going to come down to how Kevin Adams, how he does in that Eichel trade. And if he tries and like how he goes from there, like how he rebuilds the team, that's going to really obviously define his tenure here because I think we, I, I think we were not really judging Kevin Adams yet. It's really, you know, we were just judging like what happened before him. So I think Kevin Adams, like he's going to get a chance to like totally rebuild this team, tear it down. And it's going to be interesting to see if he can do it better than Tim Murray did. Hopefully it'd be hard to get much worse than that. Yeah, exactly. The bar is the floor. Okay. Like the bars and consistently the Sabres GMs have not been able to cross that bar, which has been below the floor. Um, so yeah, you know, Kevin, he's got a challenging job because the organization sucks, but, uh, you know, I think, I think his jet, like the first era of his, uh, tenure as the Buffalo Sabres GM begins with Eichel getting traded. And what can you get for, you know, Jack Eichel? Uh, you shop him around, you see what's out there and you get a very nice haul that sets you up for the future. And then what do you do with that future? You know, like do you draft well, or do you consider, do you continue the, you know, the historic trend, the storied success of the Buffalo Sabres drafting record. Um, you know, it's, it's really, it's really what will define the first part of his tenure. Um, and obviously everything that comes after that will, will be a direct result of how do you, like you need to trade Eichel at this point. How well do you manage to ha- handle it? What kind of assets do you get back and what do you do with them in the future? Eichel for Kotkaniemi, Paul Byron, and a third. Who says no? Uh, uh, Nobody here says no. Nobody in this city says no. Um, (laughs) All right. Okay. So, So are we going to talk about how they're going to make a movie about David Ayers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, before we remember, we were going to get into a deep dive on the Sabres at one point. We said we were during the offseason. Oh, Um, yeah. I think that was kind of it. Sort of. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. That's sort of it. Um, a nice little segment, a little tribute to the Buffalo Sabres. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> funny news, right? Like it's uh, the one-year anniversary of the game, capital T, capital G, um, where David Ayers went out there, uh, played for the the, the Carolina Hurricanes as uh, you know the Marley Zamboni driver, and then won the game when the Leafs completely fucking blew it. Uh, and we're unable to score against uh, like a 40-something-year-old Zamboni driver. Um, and yeah, so now comes out, lo and behold, Disney wants to make a David Ayers movie. Um, I'll let you take the lead on this one since you've got a Disney podcast all, by, uh, all on right. the side too. So let's. what do you think? Okay, well, first of all, it's a Disney Channel podcast, uh, which is... Okay. This would not be a Disney Channel movie, I assume. So this isn't exactly my area of expertise, but here's what it says. Disney is working on a movie based on David Ayers. All right. And here's a quote from David Ayers. It says, when we were in Carolina, I got a call from James Corden. He just wanted to say congrats. He heard about my story, thought it awesome. He let me know he had a production company. No pressure. If you ever want a movie, let me know. Then I hooked up with CAA, Creative Artists Agency. They said to me, you wouldn't believe the amount of production companies that have come to us already asking to do this film. It's insane. Here's the thing. Uh, This movie will suck if it does end up getting made. It's going to be awful. Uh, Unless, okay, unless they totally change the story. Okay, because, okay, movies, you need, first of all, some kind of conflict, probably. And you want, you. there would probably be aiming for this thing of like, 
uh, David Ayers, he dreamed of being an NHL goalie, but he never got the chance. But then when he was 42 years old, he lucked into it because two other ones got injured. Isn't that great? And like, you know how that, that's kind of, it's like, well, cool. But like, where's the story? Where's the, you know, overcoming an obstacle? Like, so, so they would have to really come up with like some sort of fictitious element uh, to, to really make it work. Or actually I hadn't really thought that here's, here's another angle they could go with is, uh, starting the movie with this game and then the story is about his like dealing with fame and like how it changed him and then he becomes like this selfish guy and he has to be like don't you remember your roots driving the zamboni don't you want to go back to where you came from and he rediscovers his his true passion and love for the game or something there love for zamboni driving he just loves driving yeah. around the rink um <laughs> Yeah, you're right. The premise sucks. This is a terrible premise for a movie. I don't know if I've ever heard of a worse premise. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. There is no way to spin this to make it an actual quality film that is Here's longer than seven minutes long. Here's the the problem with yeah. The problem with capitalism is they're gonna make movies with a built-in audience, and they know as long as the movie's about David Ayres, they're gonna have a bunch of hockey fans who go to watch it no matter what, <sighs> and uh, then you re- you get shit products like whatever this is gonna end up being. Honestly, I still don't think it gets made. I think it, it they run into a problem some point along the way with like logistics, or they realize it sucks. <laughs> yeah, the and problem just is the scrap story's the project. Done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the the only people who are watching are the the, the please like my sports uh, folks, you know, just uh, oh look a hockey movie. Um, yeah, and the only thing they watch on the weekends is Mighty Ducks. Uh, but uh, it's just, oof. yeah, there's no way out of <laughs> like okay, so you gotta wonder like what multiple production companies have been like. I don't know how much like uh, how much be- how much I want to believe that. But if that's the case, you gotta be wondering what's going through these people's minds like. Man, the story's not you know that what, interesting, what the movie bro. Should be about. <laughs> what? You know what the movie should be about? Is these Literally production people who... <laughs> it should be about these production <laughs> people who think this movie is a good idea and their journey through discovering that it's actually a terrible idea for a movie. <laughs> Notice how all of your uh, off-the-wall dog shit ideas are still somehow better <laughs> than actually doing a, a real-life... <laughs> film account of the david Ayers story is just i can't believe right. this is a thing um all right all right disney if you're listening to me right now disney if you're listening to me right now i just want to tell you there is only one thing that could get me to watch this david Ayers movie and it's if you make it into a musical i will watch david Ayers the musical i promise <laughs> okay you heard it here first for uh you heard it here for first Ah, Disney, if you want that one audience member in the movie theater, <laughs> you know what to do. Um, and uh, yeah, starring James Corden. Am I right? <laughs> James Corden has David Ayers. <laughs> exactly. Clearly, that's, that's why he went out and reached out. You know, like, oh, I could, I could play David Ayers. Uh, that's what he was thinking, you know. Um, what should the movie be called? Oh, They're going to be called, like, E-Bug or something. <laughs> that's what the, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Um, some play on e-bug. Uh, I don't know. I don't know though. Uh, what if they just call it bug? Cause he like <laughs> he feels so small inside until this moment. Wow. Uh, maybe it'll be an animated feature. Um, 
Uh, That'd be a lot better, I think, actually. Honestly, probably. Oh, animated. Yeah, absolutely, actually. And you actually um, have, like, the Hurricanes, like, voice themselves. Oh, yeah. And then, but except the whole movie is just bugs. It's animated bugs. Um, <laughs> David Ayers <laughs> as, like, an ant. <laughs> Stopping pucks. Uh, it's... That's a that's a great movie idea. You know, this this should come to us instead of James Corden, if you're honest. Um, all right. Yeah. I think all sports movies suck. Yeah, you're probably right. That's my it's take. It's not a bad take. What's it? It's like if I wanted to watch sports, I would watch sports. Yeah, don't, exactly. You don't need to put it in a movie. <laughs> like, what's a good sports movie? I'm trying to think of one. I can't think of any, honestly. Me neither. Like, I I guess I haven't seen that many. Draft Day was terrible. Uh, I watched that one. Uh, because it was just wildly unrealistic. Miracle, it was okay, but it was also you know kind of American nationalist propaganda. So that's a strike. Um, yeah, yeah. it's just the whole premise is not very good. You know, like what can you really take away from a sports movie? Like try harder. Never forget. Never give up that's on your always dreams. Always it. Like yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like it's just they're all kind of they all kind of suck. You know they're all for like they're all you know what they are. They're just kind of designed for thirteen year olds, right? Like uh, any movie or that tries like to take itself too seriously. Year olds. They're, they're boomer. Movies. They're movies for boomers, I think. Yeah, I I think they're meant for kids. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't I guess think so. It's one or the other. I think it's I think there's like if you're an adult, if you're a self respecting adult. Um. Okay. Well. Okay. Maybe I won't generalize that much, but uh. It's just an opinion I have that yeah, it's just uh, they're just not very good. If you unironically watch sports good. movies. Yeah, exactly. If you watch them for the plot, all right. <laughs> I have to question your uh, your taste <laughs> to movies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna leave it there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, just we were gonna maybe touch on Babcock. We're over yeah. an hour though, so let's just say uh, we'll be really brief about it. Uh, he sucks. He's got a massive ego, worse than worse than I thought, uh, and I hope he never coaches in the NHL again. Yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't really realize how big his ego was um, until now. You know, like it was just because you didn't really, he wasn't much of a public figure. But uh, now this interview comes out where he's just like, "Oh, I think I, it doesn't pass the fucking smell test," is the words they use. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, people keep hiring me, so it can't be that bad. Um, it's just, uh, it makes no sense. And, uh, well, it, it's not that it doesn't make sense. It's clearly that he doesn't understand what he did wrong. He doesn't understand the effect mm-hmm. he's had on people. And, uh, you know, mark of a shitty person who doesn't really, who's not very self-aware. So, uh, yeah, you know. And, well, now he's, uh, he's been, what's, what's the word? He's been exiled to the barren Saskatchewan. Uh, so, you know. Hopefully he doesn't traumatize too many university students over there. Yeah, I guess that's um, the hope, right? Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, okay. Before we get into our new segments, I have one more thing that I want to mention that I didn't warn you about. There was a Twitter poll that I saw. There was a Twitter poll I saw the other day, and for some reason I can't find it now, which is frustrating. Uh, but basically, it was from it was from Sean Simpson, TSN Simmer, and it said if they redid the 2020 draft today. Who goes first overall? And the poll options were all right here it is Lafreniere, Byfield, Stutzla, and other. I want you to guess how how much of the percentage this it has four thousand and ninety votes. Uh how much did each uh okay. option get? Alright, so you have to imagine 
that since Sens fans have nothing else to be happy about, they flooded this poll. Um, so I'm going to say 60% Stutzel. I think Lafreniere, people have been, uh, well, people, it's just recency bias, right? People just don't want to acknowledge the fact that he's literally 18 years old and he's played like 10 games. So I think he gets like 20, 20%. And uh, people have forgotten about Byfield. So I think he gets 20%. Uh, who goes first overall? Never mind. Byfield is going to be like 4%. Um, so I think Lafreniere yeah, okay, gets I was like, gonna say, like, you really think Lafreniere and Byfield got the same amount? Yeah, you're right. So I think Lafreniere gets like third, uh, 25, Byfield gets four and, uh, somebody, 71% goes to Stutzel. Who, nothing for other? Oh, fine. I'll go. It's 70% for Stutzel, 1% other. Okay. Stutzel got 57.1% of the vote. Okay. That's pretty um, close. Yeah, Lafreniere got 36.9. Other got 3.4%, and Byfield got 26 <laughs> uh, Okay. <laughs> sure. Those are the numbers. It's absolutely ridiculous that so many people would think, first of all, this is a small sample size of Tim Stutzler scoring at a higher pace than Lafreniere. Also, there's the fact that pretty much every single underlying statistic you can look at, besides goals and assists, shows Lafreniere performing better than Stutzler. Stutzler is getting uh, caved in defensively very often, uh, which, I mean, isn't a surprise. He's going to be a superstar player, uh, but he, he, he just turned 19. So, you know, it's fine that he's not doing, you know, amazingly yet. But, you know, very impressive offensive skills, Stutzler. But Lafreniere... It's the right pick, and I just wanted to bring that up to dunk on all the Sens fans who flooded the poll. Anyway, time for okay, here we go. our new segment. Uh, you're the one who actually came up with this idea, so okay. why don't you explain it? Okay, so I didn't, I didn't exactly come up with it. Uh, I was watching. Uh, I got this. I I got this idea from uh, John Boy Media. They do. Uh, they do baseball stuff usually, um, but they've got segments like this, and uh, yeah, they were drafting stuff. I think I, th- I think they have drafted the alphabet themselves. Um, there were a three-person draft, um, but yeah, we've done we've done such a thing. I think like uh, with friends, we uh, ranked the alphabet last year, right when we were together. Yep. Um, so uh, this is this is not an unfamiliar topic for all of us, uh, and so yeah, I'll get into what exactly this is. This is a draft, except it's not any it's not remotely hockey related. Although you know we might have a draft at one point that is hockey related, but uh, this one certainly isn't. And uh, this week, our very our inaugural draft segment. Not to be confused with our prospects segment um, is the alphabet. So today we will be drafting the alphabet. Um, we have we have decided on seven rounds, so that will give you fourteen picks. Um, so as as most drafts would have it, about half of the people will be undrafted, uh, and they'll have to claw their way up from the undrafted ranks. Um, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> uh, we won't be following or tracking any sort of prospect progress. But uh, this at the end of it, we'll see who has the best set of seven letters. This this best set is completely subjective. Um, subjective. Maybe even we can best put up a letter. poll on the Instagram after. We could. We and could. That'll decide um, the winner. Yeah. So, you know, the, for the to the two people who will be voting on that Instagram poll, um, thank you for deciding the winner. <laughs> One of those people will be me voting for me. <laughs> right, it will be me voting for me. Right. Okay. So yes, yeah, actually, round. I have access to multiple yeah. accounts. I can vote oh. from my Disney Channel Discourse wow. account. I can vote. I run the um, 
the John Abbott Literary Magazine Instagram account so I can vote from there. So you, you're going to stand no chance. So it turns out I've already lost this draft um, before <laughs> you, we've even I've done it. I'll only fact, vote once, I promise. Me. You, you texted me before that you've got a great draft strategy. You're going to smoke me. Apparently, the great I draft will. strategies have multiple Instagram accounts, <laughs> um, which, no. okay. All right. No, all right. Here's what I'm going to say. My draft strategy is so good that even when we finish the draft, you'll admit my team is better than yours. Okay. Um, what, is it drafting in alphabetical order? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Um, all right sure. so who's so, got the first pick personally i think gonna... that since you came up with this idea you should be gracious enough to let me have the first pick all right i will i will graciously give it to you um oh go great. ahead thank you you may have the first overall right. pick with the first overall pick in the alphabet draft i'm going to select from the second half of the alphabet letter r oh my goodness letter r that is a terrible pick um, I don't understand what's going on there. Like, <laughs> aside from like Wheel of Fortune style, like they say R S T L N E, so R is first there. But would I agree that it's the best letter? No. Um, please, please make your case. <laughs> please justify. This is no, no. This is of all if the I, letters I I've never seen. It's a, never called this one. First of all, if I pick, justify my pick right now, you then just that'll give my simple. strategy away. Okay, all right. Um. Here we have a sense fan, clearly taking the Tim Stutzel of alphabet letters. Okay, so I've got my alphabet chart in front of me. I went on Google Images. I Googled letters of the alphabet. And now I have all 26 organized in a nice orderly fashion. Um, and with the first letter, no, with my first pick, um, I would like to gladly select from the fifth row of this chart which nobody else has access to the letter s um i just think it's so versatile and it looks nice and it's cool uh it's snaky so like it looks like a snake which starts with s um all right also plural you make you make everything plural with an s all right would you like to roast it what are your thoughts no no that's that's not a bad pick at all actually uh, I wasn't going to go in that direction, but I see what you're going for there. Um, thankfully, though, you left me the second best choice of letters, which is my oh, no. my second pick, third overall, letter L. Letter... What the fuck? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Um, honestly, at? if you ask me, if you ask me, L deserves to be undrafted. Um... <laughs> This comes out of left field. I'm shocked. Okay. All right. Um, You'll I'm see. Getting the You'll steal see of the when, draft when I'm done. Right I'm getting the steal of the draft right here. Um, <laughs> I will be picking. the weirdest thing we've ever done. <laughs> besides like Hab's Bracketology. March Habness. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I this do. This is like the second weirdest. <laughs> this is too good though. Uh, I will be picking the letter A. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> probably should have gone first overall, honestly. It's a vowel. Vowels are quality wow. and uh, A plus for this. There's pick so many though. There's so many vowels. The like, are there though? That's the question. Um. All right. Two rounds in. I think S and A are better than R and L. Just gonna put that out there. All right. Um. Next, this pick might surprise you a little bit. All of uh, these the fifth picks overall pick in the draft. So okay. I'm going to go with a great letter. 
Oh, no. The first letter of great. Letter G. What are you going for? Um, I'm thinking of what are some words It's shaping words up that... exactly how I was hoping. R-L-G. Uh, yep. Like, are you just trying to spell regular? I, I don't know what's happening <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of that. And you if I were, regular, then your letter A would have ruined my plans. That's true. Um, relegation? No. Gorilla? No. All of these have A's. You know, I think I might have just ruined your draft by taking the A. You asked me. This wasn't right. my plan to spell any word with an A in it. Okay, sure. Um, okay, with the next pick of the draft, I would like to select, you know, maybe going off the board a bit, taking another vowel. I'm taking U. Wow. Um, I think the AU punch is quality. I think it's quality on my end. <laughs> I think I'm getting a steal. <laughs> But even though it's it's a bit All off right. the board, it's out there. The mock drafts don't like this one, but uh, it's you. That's now into the fourth round, seventh overall pick. You're on the clock. All right. I have a couple different choices here, actually. Uh, and I think... All right, let me just... All right, okay. I'm going to go with letter F. Jesus Christ. What is this? Um, completely baffling. What can you... Okay, so FGLR. This guy has no vowels heading into the fifth round. It's completely... <laughs> what is he doing? Um, baffling. Okay. All right. You know what? I'm, I'm, my strategy today is to hoard the vowels. Um, I think since you're passing up on them, I think you've leave, you're leaving yourself open to uh, a lack of vowels. So, uh, <laughs> you know what? Oh, no. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna draft uh perhaps the second best vowel. Uh, I'm drafting E. Uh because it's everywhere. Actually it's everywhere in everywhere. Fun fact. So uh four letter four times, four points. Wow. It's just excellent. Alright, go ahead. Alright, I'm gonna be drafting letter O. Oh, okay, I see. The it's the vowel it's the vowel panic, as they say. Um he saw that there was a run. <laughs> And he needed to grab run on vowels. I took it uh, and ended up having all five vowels. All right. There okay. are seven vowels, excuse you. Seven and a half, actually. <laughs> oh, A, I, uh, O, U, W, Y, and sometimes R. But we don't have time to get into that egg. today. It's the hottest egg. All right. Today, I will be... Uh, hmm. So I'm not... So some people that I've scratched off my board... Oh, actually, I won't say it because then you'll know uh, where to go and what to save. Um, you know what? I'm going to do it. I need a power punch. I need a hot and cold, and I've got the supporting cast to support this guy. I'm going with Q. Um, I have oh, the wow. U that on the sucks. team. I have the U on the team. You have the proper um, supporting cast in place. I do. I have the Q and the U, and in fact, the E kind of helps with that too. So uh, you're welcome, spell... everybody. Are you spelling Kesa? You you are spelling Kesa. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not. But it looks like I have. Uh, all right. Well. Meanwhile, well, I just spelled I spelled golfer. I didn't even notice, but without the e. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, My next okay. selection is the beautiful and wonderful letter N. Okay. All right. 
Um, you know, your draft class kind of sucks. Uh, I'm just going to say that right now. Six picks in. You My better... team is amazing. Team's kind of sucks. Let's explain right. to you why you'll agree. Um, what? It's not even... If a strategy was building the best Scrabble team, it's not even that good. Um, okay. All right. Next pick. With the sixth round pick, I am proud to select... Um, I'm going to go with T. You know, my name starts with T. I, li- I like that. I respect that. Very common letter. Um, I think it's good. I think it's good. T. Wow. You know, to round out this final spot on my team with my seventh round pick, there are actually three letters that would perfectly suit the type of team that I'm trying to build. Either How about, are you going to reveal your draft P. strategy? You're gonna yes. Reveal yes, your draft strategy right now. Okay. When you're no, done, no, okay. but after no, the whole thing's done, either B, M, or P okay. would suit my purposes perfectly. But since I just ended that sentence with purposes perfectly, I think I'm going to go with letter P. Okay, all right. Um, lucky for me, because I was thinking about taking M. Um, you know, I really feel like I built a good team right now. Uh, let's see. Your, Your team, team is got, so gross. Three vowels. Your That's team. way too many. Yeah. But you know and what? Q. I'm gonna take a constant. Three vowels and Q. You're the Buffalo Sabres of alphabet drafting. <laughs> oh, stop it! We have one. You have O as your vowel. This is like, ah, uh, this is like having uh O is the vowelliest of all vowels. It's like oh. What are you talking about? That's outrageous. That's A first of all, uh, and also O is just. It's, it makes every. It's just. It's not a good vowel, man. It's there's a reason I left it open. Um, when I did my vowel run, if I really thought O oh, was that good, I would have taken him. Um, but back to my draft, uh, I'm thinking about ending with an M. Uh, you know, maybe I, you know, X is just too much. If I ended with an X, it's too much. I think about ending with a Y, it's also too much. So I'm going to end it with an M. Um, like Margarita. It's pretty good. All right. All right. So we've All right. So to recap, my team is R L G F O N P. Taisei's team is S-A-U-E-Q-T-M. Taisei, do you want to explain your thinking before I explain mine? Okay, sure. So, uh, well, I, there was no strategy here. Uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, I did not do any sort of prior thinking. My prior thinking was pulling up the Google Images uh, chart. And, uh, but I, I think really I got some memorized the alphabet yet? Uh, no, not quite. So I had to do some on-the-fly prospect analysis, so to speak. Um, and, uh, you know, I think S was a great pick. I think A, I think started off really strong. Um, and I think the QU punch is like having McDavid and Eichel on the same line. Um, it's just, wow. it's just too good. Uh, That's ridiculous. Or you know what? You know what? No, it's more like having Crosby and Brian Rust on the same line. It's just, it's good. All right. It's just good. Sometimes they just, Brian Rush is the Q and Sidney Crosby is the U, right? No, it's the other way around actually. Q. Uh, I don't even know anymore. The, actually, all the analogies I've made kind of suck. So you just ignore them. Yeah. Um, see, I think I think of Q and U as more if we're talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins as like Teddy Bluger and Brandon Tanev. Okay, like that's, it's that's easily just, replaceable. Easily replaceable by KW. I cannot believe you would say that. Anyways, Q and U are replaceable hmm. by okay. KW. Um, quite literally. It's not, but that's that's another two letters, right? Um, and two letters that aren't quite as spicy as Q and U together. Um, and also, you know, T and M, just a, a solid consonant ending, you know, just two two studs, two pillars, the two top four defensemen. Um, 
better than anything that you have, which it just looks All like right. you just drafted the Arizona. You had an Arizona Coyotes kind of draft where it seems like everybody you got was from the fourth round or later. And you, you no know, fifth right. round or later, actually. So here is here's the big reveal. Well, my 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 team the big reveal. is so amazing. All right, the theme of my team my team is versatility. All right, let me tell you why. All right, so we have one letter P, which you say by putting your lips together, P, like oh, B and M. That's oh, why I was right. contemplating between those three. N oh, is one man. of those letters where you put the tongue on the roof of your mouth, like D and T. N. All right, F. We have, you know, kind of like, kind of like V, where you put your teeth on your on your lower lip. That's how you make that one. G, you make the G sound at the back of your mouth. All right, G, very nice. L is the only letter made by putting your tongue in between your teeth. L and R is of course very unique as well, where you curl your tongue back. That's why I wanted R and L so badly. They're very unique. The only letters that exercise those parts of your mouth, and of okay. course, one all vowel right. in there. You got to throw one in for good measure. So every letter on my team, as you can see, serves a very unique purpose, very important. They are all key members of my team. Okay. All right. Well, I would just like to say this is a terrible draft strategy. Um, this is so incredibly draft nerdy. Uh, the analysis, like, it's just clearly you, this is the John Chake of draft. You've relied too much on the numbers and the, uh, I guess the, it's just, everything is kind of a mouthful. You know, it's just too much. I've t- You've taken too much, more than you can chew with this team. But not more than you could chew. Uh, it's just not a nice well, why bunch don't, of letters, you know. Like you could make. Why don't you try? Nice. Well, so yeah. you're saying, well, I'm. You're doing such an old man take. I'm like, I'm going to explain why my team is good, and you're like, the vibes are off. The vibes are off, though. Like you think about it, like the vibes are off on your team. All right, that. you have explain. three vowels. Three that's vowels fine. totally fine. kills the vibe because vibes don't have not vibes vowels. Don't have any substance. They're just kind of there to like fill in the blanks in between to make things easy to say. All right. They don't have any substance themselves. All right. They're the glue players. You know, you have too many Jay Beagles and Antoine Roussels on your team. It throws the whole thing off balance. And letter Q just sucks. So, so that, so you have three good letters on your team STM. All right. The nice metro system. And everything else is just filler. Meanwhile, everyone (laughs) on my team is a star. Is a star. You're telling me L is a star. It literally stands <laughs> for boss, um, which is what you just did. L so, stands for uh, love. I'm going to have to disagree. <laughs> what do you mean you disagree? Sure. <laughs> um, okay, fair enough. Uh, but uh, I, I will admit that there it does seem to be a lot of filler on my team. But I, I still think the, the, the M and the T and the Q. You know, I think the Q brings the punch. I think it's a hammer. Uh, especially with the U, I just think uh, I just did a better job here drafting. And uh, yeah, any final thoughts on your alphabet? Yeah, um, I explained to you in great detail why my team is so good, and you're like, oh yeah, Q and U, it's good. So yeah, I guess that I guess that gives the listeners an excuse. This is our social media page.